The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Today's episode is brought to you by the folks over at SeatGeek, the best and easiest to use ticket platform out there. They take the confusion out of buying tickets using a 0 to 10 scoring system and a green is good, red is bad color rating system so you and your loved ones get the best deal possible. So whether it's going to see our beloved Red Legs at Great American Ballpark, the Bengals over at Paycor, FC Cincinnati, one of the area college teams, or pretty much anything in between, use promo code RIVERFRONT at checkout and receive $20 off your first order. Click the link in the show notes to download the app and get started. That's Riverfront, one word, for 20 bucks off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Riverfront. This is episode number 513 of the world's most dangerous podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally, oh, I don't know, Elmer Descends. How about Elmer Descends this week? Uh, I'm your host, Chad Dawson, with me again this week. Uh, we're, we're off to a roaring start already. It's my guy, host of Late Night Reds and about a thousand other things going on here at The Riverfront, the MVP, Tim Daniel. How are you, Tim? Chad, it's really fitting that this week episode of, is episode five one three when this weekend is the crosstown shootout. Mm, the crosstown shootout. Well, that's some, some kind of like uh, field hockey. What is what is that? Uh, uh, soccer? soccer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, badminton um, is a huge badminton tournament. Skyline Chili is involved. It's insane. <laughs> you know, um, I don't have a rooting interest in that. I know, I know you do, and you're very, uh, very serious about it, but. Um, I'm a huge college basketball fan, obviously. And I'm telling you, the fact that that uh, Cincinnati has, uh, you know, I, there's some that are going to talk about other rivalries, but something like this that is, uh, you know, kind of the center of the college basketball world for a little while. It's exciting. It's a it's a big thing. And hopefully, I just hope everyone has fun. Yeah, I will be there um, working for the Riverfront. So doing a little coverage. Check us out at riverfrontcincy.com. Ryan and I are attacking that pretty, pretty hard, getting some stuff out for the week. So. Uh, I don't think it's going to be fun for me this year, but I'm excited to be there. Not looking great for, uh, for your guys, uh, the X, uh, in the crosstown shootout, but, uh, there's, you know, there's always hope. Yeah. I mean, God only knows with them. Some nights that like how they played against Houston, if they play the way that like, like that against Cincinnati, I think they should win, but that's like one time we've seen that effort this year. So. Yeah, and we're not gonna we're not gonna get into. It. We need maybe I need to uh, join a different podcast to talk about college basketball at some point. But, but uh, so we won't get into it too much here. But I think Xavier. We have one of those. Is, uh, I know, I know. Well, why don't you just tell us what that's called? Riverfront U. Riverfront U. Yes, that's yeah. uh, that's what I was alluding to, and I was alluding to the fact that I have never yet been invited to. Uh, Actually, to join, you have. So. You were just really busy. <laughs> okay. All right. Now ah, you called me out. Thank you. Um. All right, so we're here to talk about the Reds and what is the strangest 
offseason so far, I don't really know what's going on. I probably shouldn't say that right here at the top of a podcast where we're going to try to break down what's going on. But I'm going to be honest, I, I'm a little confused um, about what's been happening. The, uh, you know, last week we talked about uh, the Reds signing a couple of uh, pitchers, including Nick Martinez, a starter slash reliever. And then another, the Reds made another significant free agent signing this week. And we'll ha- we will have more on that in a moment. But uh, uh, any thoughts about Reds Fest before we go, go any deeper, Tim? I did not make it this year. Um, holiday stuff. But uh, Joe Farsing of the Bengals show said it was a good time. So uh, I saw some people within our community. So that was really cool. Um, seems like there was a lot going on. And uh, I saw old old. Phil was uh making himself available to talk to the fans. Mm. Pretty ballsy. Our buddy. Yeah. Our buddy. Pretty ballsy of yeah. Phil. Uh yeah, well that, that I, I was wanting to say, can you believe he's making public appearances again? Our yeah. buddy Phil Castellini. It's very exciting. Just terribly exciting. Yeah. Um, um seems like people had a good time though. You know, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't go again this year. Um it's been a, a couple of years since I've been there, but uh you know, every time I say I'm not gonna go this year, and then I see the pictures, I'm like, oh. Cause I've had a great time every time I've ever been to Reds Fest. And I've been many, many times. Um, I don't think I've been though actually since uh, we were signing books there. Uh, that's, that's hard to believe, man. Um, so that would have been gosh, five, five years ago, four years ago. Dear. Holy moly. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I know. I know you were, I mean, you were barely born then you were in elementary school. Yeah. That, four years ago. That. Yeah. 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 I think so. I think so. I was the, uh, the oldest fifth grader at 30 years old. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So the winter meetings uh, just concluded in Nashville, Tennessee, and pretty quiet, not just for the Reds, but for pretty much everyone uh, for, for most of the winter meetings. It was really a, a strange, strange time. A um, couple things out there that we should maybe talk about that happened Reds-related out there. MLB draft lottery. Yeah. The Reds sent Devin Mesoraco to represent them. Devin Mesoraco back in the Reds fold, appeared at Reds Fest. Uh, I think for the first time since he was a, a player and oh, uh, yeah. yeah, represented the Reds and his number two overall pick. I mean, everything's coming up Millhouse for this franchise. What do you think about that? Number two. Pretty crazy considering last year they lost a hundred games and they got the seventh pick. And this year they lose 20 less and they get the second pick. Uh, the fact that Cleveland got the first pick and we're like 78 and 84. And also had a little over one percent chance for the Reds' chance. I think were like 0.4, something like that. Yeah, uh, it's exciting. So uh, Ben, my co-host on Late Night Reds, we have a buddy who's a former scout in the big leagues that went to the same high school as us, and uh, we were like, you know, what should we feel about this draft? And he goes, and he said that anyone the Reds are going to get in the top five, like the top five prospects, are loaded in this draft. Oh, good. So I made me feel a lot better. And I was like, can you give me a name? And I guess there's this kid from West Virginia. Uh, his name's JJ. Scorcher gets me right now. I was looking at him on Jonathan Mayos, but I guess he's a middle infielder. So that's right up the Reds alley for drafting. <laughs> right. Uh, but he's hit four uh, where he's gone. And last year won the NCAA batting title. All right. Uh, count me in. Sign me up. Yeah. Let's see. I'm getting his name right now, which is just fantastic content. I know. Um, we'll talk about, we'll find it back. We'll back. Some episodes we spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes oh. just scrolling. What's, JJ, what's the name? JJ Weatherhold out of West Virginia. Yes. Yes. Oh, obviously. I knew that. 
And then there's Nick Kurtz out of, uh, sorry to say this, Chad, uh, Wake Forest. He's a first baseman. He's really good. <laughs> I, you know, I did I did see some another projection that Nick Kurtz might be uh, a potential uh, pick for the Reds there. Um, and that's fine. Uh, Wake, Weak Forest. He's at Weak Forest. But, you know, the Reds have had some, some success out of Weak Forest. I mean, whatever you think about Stuart Fairchild, uh, he's made it to the big leagues. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and then, of course, last year, I think the Reds probably got a, a, a great pick. Yeah. For so, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd rather pick someone from the University of Virginia, but that's all right. What it can't have it everything you want. Yeah. Um. So, so what else happened out there at uh, at the winter meetings? Not a lot, except our buddy Nick Crawl talked again. It's always a fun time when Nick Crawl talks. He Man, says fun things. It's the bingo card of bingo cards, right? <laughs> it's great. It's just great. And um. So, you know, we've talked here on the show a little bit, uh, certainly about uh, Jonathan India and whether the Reds are going to trade him. And I imagine we'll talk more about Jonathan India uh, later when we talk about what the Reds are going to do with their infil- glut of infielders. But uh, Nick Crawl said, you know, he, hey, we've been talking with India, uh, sat down with him before Reds Fest uh, last week and um, about, you know, how do we get your bat in the lineup uh, more often? I've said this openly. We're not trying to trade him. But I'm not going to tell you it's never going to happen. Our goal is to have him here and be a contributing player. We're not looking to move him. He has a chance to be a very big contributor in our club next year. I told him that. We're not looking to trade anybody. Um, so anyway, um, those uh, you know those words, sometimes people, uh, what you need to understand every time Nick Crawl talks, and he doesn't always convey himself very well because that's just what he does. But mm-hmm. there's no reason to believe anything he said there. Um and I don't blame him whatsoever for saying every bit of that. He has to keep in the event Jonathan is here to actually, he wants Jonathan India happy. Um, and all that's true. They don't trade him. I don't, don't take that as the, the gospel that he's not going to be traded. Um, but just don't, I, I wouldn't give much uh, credence to any of it. Just it's GM speak. And that's what he has to do. It's part of the job. Right. Um, so I ask you, are they going to trade him? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they are. I don't I just, know. I just think that yeah. uh, maybe not. You know, Stephen Offbaker was on our show a couple weeks ago, and he kind of was like, you know, there's an opportunity for him to still be on this team. Uh, one of the things he mentioned was designated hitter, obviously, which has apparently come up. Uh, I've seen discussions that apparently he has been there's been discussion with him about potentially taking some days at first base, which is interesting. Uh, as we talk about what in the role they're going to do, but I don't know because it's like at this point the signing we're going to get to that they made is a guy who can play the corner infield. And we're talking about India can play the corner infield. And then you've got three other guys who are your prospects. You gave up your, like what are your all time favorite players? Because the sake they play corner infield. So something's brewing in the pot. And if it's not Jonathan India, I don't think Reds fans are going to be excited if it's one of the other guys. Well, you know, I, we teased it, and I was going to wait a little bit longer uh, to get into it, but this really is the topic of the week, so we might as well go ahead and dive in. I'm all here to um, bury leads, Chad. That's right. Let's do it. The Reds agreed to a three-year deal with uh, Jamar Candelario. Now, um, uh, third baseman, but we'll say an infielder, um, and uh, it's a it's a three-year deal worth uh, $45 million guaranteed. A club option could take it to four years and 60 million. Uh, 
Candelario. Uh, and if you remember at the last uh, trade deadline, last July, the Reds did a bunch of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Candelario was uh, kind of rumored uh, as being connected with the Reds at that time. So it's clear that they, they, uh, they, uh, they think highly of him. Um, last year, hit 251, 336 on base, 471 slugging, 22 home runs, career high, 39 doubles. Um, he was, uh, uh, um, it was the, the season he was split between the Nationals and uh, the Cubs. And, you know, you look at his numbers. Uh, again, he's, th- he's 30. Um, he will uh, he will be 30 this year. It's his age 30 season. You look at his career numbers, and he's a, uh, a perfectly cromulent player. He, I mean, he's a he's a he's a solidly above average player, and I think he uh, he's a guy that I like. Have I don't mind having on my team. Um, whatsoever, I like I like the guy I, in a, in a vacuum. No no issues whatsoever with signing him. Yeah, and I actually have no no issues even not even in a vacuum in in uh, in this real life we're living in. But it's um, it's strange. I don't necessarily understand. There has to be something else coming, uh, to which all I will say, and then I'll hand it over to you uh, to let you, uh, you know, dispel some of my confusion. I will say this: it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Very nice. Yes, yeah. you know, just got a copyright hit. <laughs> oh no! Um, what's going on? Something, man. This is a. Uh... This is going to be a really, really different situation that we really haven't been in a long time, right? Um, I'm with you. You know, I I have no issues whatsoever with bringing Candelario in, especially because you mentioned that he split the year between Washington and Chicago. That first series that he was in Chicago was against uh, the Reds, and I think he hit 950 in that series. I don't have the box score in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it was 950. Um, everything hit the ground when he when he when he made contact or went over the wall. So. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I think it's a good move for the for the Reds. Um, I think it's a nice veteran hitter. So one of the persons in our Patreon Slack group, um, I believe it was Skylar Webster, mentioned that when they lit his ballpark projections of like if he played a full season at XYZ, that GABP, he would have been a 30 home run guy. So that's a nice feeling uh, because yeah. we've been waiting to get one of those since Suarez left and now that Joey's gone. Um, you know, we didn't we had a couple 25 guys last year that were, that were battling injury. But now you have the kind of a good bat there in that situation. It makes it a lot more fun. Um, so it goes to, I don't know what's going on because I guess I saw Mo tweet today that Tyler Stevenson was not at Reds Fest. So what does that mean, if anything? Because it's just a coincidence. Um, Jonathan India apparently is not only going to stay, but he's going to play first base. Okay. So <laughs> what does that do for CES, who you moved on from Joey Votto from to get everyday at, at plate appearances at first base? What does it do for Spencer Steer, who's played first, third, and left field? We are getting into, I feel like we're in that final scene in Clue when like everyone's in the house and they're running room to room to room to room to try to figure out what's going on. Um, I feel like that's what this is right now because it feels like something bigger is brewing. And maybe that is a top end of the rotation guy, which we've all said like they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that we don't love the Hunter Greens and Nick Lodolos and those guys by any stretch of the matter, but. Um, you know, I think uh, Hunter Green and Nicola Dola could really benefit from having a guy like Shane Bieber to pitch behind on days two and three. and Or Tyler Glass now, if he can stay on the mound, um, which you can mm-hmm. say about these Reds pitchers too, obviously. So if that's what this is, and it kind of, I mean, there's nothing set in stone that says that is what it is, but it kind of feels like that's what it's lining up to be, right? 
Yeah, it's it's really well, I think so. But again, you know, this is one of those situations where you got to kind of remind yourself, uh, let's not jump overboard here uh, like uh, or jump to conclusions like so many have done on both sides uh, on the uh, on the interwebs today. Uh, remember, we're the first week of December. And so if this is the roster when we get to February. Uh, OK, now I have a lot of questions about, right. you know, uh, what uh, massive brain trauma Nick Crawl has uh, under uh, has uh, endured over the offseason. It'll make no sense. But it's just the first week of December. So you have to presume there's something else coming. I mean, um, there's a lot of ways you can look at it. Everyone's like, oh, we have all this depth. But uh, first of all, I love depth. Same. I want depth everywhere. And so, uh, you know, I, if the pitching situation were, were settled, I'd, I'd be, oh, whatever, we'll figure it out. There's lots of at-bats for everyone. Um here and and that could be where they go. It could be that being that they think they have enough at bats that they think, for example, uh, Spencer Steers, their right-handed hitting outfielder, maybe that they you know we've all been saying that they need. Maybe, maybe that's uh, does India play some outfield, right? Uh, first base, you know. Um, are they not? Are the Reds not exactly sold that uh, one of the kids is going to be ready for uh, opening day? Maybe need more seasoning in AAA. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't see that being the case. Um, El, could Ellie De La Cruz go to center field? Uh, you know, there's there's so many things that we just don't know yet. And uh, yeah. that, but that's what that's what's fun about these conversations. We can kind of speculate. I, my hope, my hope is that, um, I mean, if you look at this glut of infielders the Reds have now, and they do have a glut, I'm not sure that Candelario is better projected to be better than really any of them. He's projected to be good. Yeah, but I'm not, but he's not demonstrably better than anyone that they currently have. So the, I think my hope here, and this is just what I do here, I dream a little bit, but it's 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 what you're talking about, is that they you're going to use uh, one or more of these kids and go really get a, a frontline starter, uh, you know, a Bieber and Glasnow, yes, bring it on, Glasnow especially. I'm a I'm a huge fan, and I don't know injury issues, but. Um, that's a guy I would like like to see, or or maybe uh, you know we're talking about trade. Um, if if they're going to move one of these other infielders, and when you're talking about trade, you know Dylan Cease, Dylan Cease looks pretty good to me. Um, His name comes up quite a bit. It does, it does. But uh, well, let's let's you, let's talk about him briefly. Uh, the White Sox are, uh, I don't know, they're being coy. A little bit. They're pulling back in negotiations now. The Reds are, you know, among the teams that have been reported to have been in discussion, but uh, they're asking a lot. Uh, When have the Reds traded actual value for a big league player? Matt Latos? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's a good one. Yeah. 2012? Yeah, so we're talking more than a decade ago, right? Um, it's not something we see very often, and so right. the Reds would have to give up something big for for, for him. And uh, yeah, I guess it depends on. We'll judge it if we ever, if that trade ever happens on whether it's good or bad. Um, but they're not going to get him cheap. I guess is the is the uh, the ultimate uh, end point here. Yeah, and I think we kind of have to accept that, right? Um, mm-hmm. We're at that point, and I think that uh, you know we've we've worked pretty hard to get away from the whole. Uh, social media civil war of uh the reds the reds nation um not to be a pun on your former site but um (laughs) it is kind of a situation where it's like everyone just gets mad at each other all the time over what they they should do so 
you know that one side of the fan base is going to be very, very upset no matter what side you take here. And uh, also, it's dumb. We should just be, want the team to win and just move on from okay. it. That's not my point here. Uh, but my point is that for the quote-unquote prospect people, if the Reds want to try to make something happen, yeah, they're probably going to have to get rid of, you know, move on from some guys that you don't want them to move on from. If they don't, maybe it works out in the end, and maybe you guys were right all along. And if you were, that's fine. If they won because Great. they held on to those guys, no <laughs> one's mad. No one's right. mad. But let's look. Let's be respectful here. Uh, like you said, I'm the oldest fifth grader in the universe. I'm 34 years old. Um, <laughs> the last time they won the World Series, I was an infant. I was one. So. I didn't see it. Apparently, I went to Fountain Square with my dad. You know, obviously, I remember so well. I was carrying my broom around. Oh my goodness! So, yeah, what 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 do I have? You know what I mean? Like, look at you talk. You've talked about this quite a bit. What does the younger Reds fan have to look like? Look at and be like, okay, twenty twelve was cool. Twenty thirteen was cool. This past year was fun, but a couple of no hitters, three no hitters. That's what I got. Yeah, um, that that's basically it. And this is what I don't understand. Again, be a fan however you want to be a fan. Yeah. I don't care. Doesn't yeah. think that, whatever. You know, Y'all I didn't get a world you series. Already do anyway. <laughs> right, right. It, it doesn't bother me. But uh, that's what I don't understand about the prospect huggers. Again, if that's who you, you are, great. Be that. You, if you think that's the right way to go, you wonderful. I'm you know far more time in your hands than we do to look who these people are. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I don't understand so many that uh, are willing to wait another two, three years right. for something that may not happen. Uh, That's when, where I'm at. Right. Uh, that, that was the argument that trade deadline this year. You're in first place. Go try to win one. And uh, But whatever. Some people are never going to want to trade prospects, and that's fine. Some people are going to always want to trade prospects, me, for actual major league talent. Same. Um, trade anybody. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, trade literally anyone if it makes the big league team better. And th- that even includes, you know, I, I, I've actually even said earlier today to someone, I'd trade anyone but Ellie De La Cruz. But I'd trade Ellie De La Cruz in the right deal. I just, um, it'd have to be the right deal for any of these oh, guys. But That's the clip there. There's a clickbait. Chad Dawson said the Russian <laughs> trade Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Oh, boy. That'd be great. I'll get you another. And, you and old Gordy talking about uh, triple A or getting traded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm not going to comment on that, but um, so I guess ultimately this signing of Candelario and the Reds being in, in uh, discussions for Glasnow and uh, trade talks for Dylan Cease, uh, Shane Bieber, all this um, makes only makes me more interested in what's going to happen over the next few months because there's something else, the, uh, another shoe has to drop, something else has to happen. I'm really intrigued to figure out what it's going to be because I'll be honest with you. I'm confused. Me too. I mean, that's that's actually the, the title of this episode, probably. I, I'm really, really desperately confused. I am too, but also excited because it seems like you're starting. That was like the first the first couple of dominoes were uh, Pagan, Martinez, and Candelario, and it was like well, we really knew they needed more guys that could pitch, and specifically in the bullpen. So you go get Pagan and potentially Martinez, depending how things shake out. Sounds like with the money he's getting, he's going to be more of a starter. Um, but and then you go get Candelario, which sounds like it feels like it's boiling to this one big thing. Um, and I'm stoked, like because something crazy is going to happen, hopefully. Um, but it feels like we're heading. You know, like you said, don't jump the boat. But I kind of feel like that's where we're heading, and it's certainly starting to look that way. Yeah, I mean, um, 
Well, think of it this way. How many winters, how many off seasons during your lifetime as a Reds fan have, has there really been that kind of excitement or at least the hope that something's going to happen? Cause you know, most of the time we're just like, we know they're not going to spend any money. Yeah. Uh, and I want to talk about spending money in a moment. Cause there's some, there's a part of this that I want to, I'm really con- it makes me even more confused, but so that, but that what I'm telling you saying is that's a good reason to be excited. That's a good reason to be uh, you know interested in what's going to happen because we just, we're not used to this. It's different. Yeah. Because you bet. So yeah, I could literally think of the two and it's uh, like I mentioned earlier, 2012 and they traded for Latos. And of course, there was people like, "Why would you give up Yonder Alonso? How'd his big league career shake out? Um, why'd you give up Yasmani Grandal? You drafted him in the first round. He never played for you." I don't think the Reds have missed him too much. Um, and then, of course, nineteen, which ended up kind of being just a very fun short stint with the Castellanos, Mustakis, Shogo Akiyama offseason. Um, and then we saw how that ended up, obviously, but. Yeah, I think like those are the two, maybe 13 if you count the Chew trade, though I do love Drew Stubbs. He's been here on the network with us a couple times. Um, but those three moments are like the best I got. Well, besides Griffey. Okay, four times, four times in my life. That's <laughs> All it. Right. Four times in his 13 years on earth. Um, so the money side of this, and and I, w- I want to just at least mention this because it's been kind of interesting to see uh, – our buddy uh, Dan Zimborski writes for Fangraphs and a really good analyst and, uh, uh, you know, pretty plugged in about the Reds. And the only time I've met him in uh, real life was actually at uh, the Great American Ballpark. Uh, but, you know, you interact with him some uh, online and he's he's a smart guy. He's a, a good analyst. I really like Dan. He has been asking some real questions. And I think there are re- some people are yelling at him about it because that's what you do on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. But... Um, he talks about, you know, last last week, uh, the Reds signed uh, free agent reliever Emilio Pagan. Mm-hmm. And his point then was, hmm, interesting. If, if they have a limited budget, why are they spending money on someone who really had a superficially good year last year but gives up a lot of home runs? That doesn't seem like a good fit. And yeah. so I think that's a, that's a reasonable take. I, I, like the, I like the signing, as I said on last week's show, because – uh, I don't know how good he's going to be, but I do think he makes the bullpen at least marginally better. And so, if the Reds are be- getting better, then okay, good. I agree. But his point is, if you don't, if you have limited dollars to spend, why, why are you, why is that what you're doing? And then he said sort of the same thing about the Candelario thing, which is that the Reds have obvious needs. Uh, none of those needs are an infielder that with the profile of Candelario. So, if you have limited dollars to spend, why are you spending them? on something that really you don't have a need. And I think it's a reasonable it's a reasonable question to ask. And I think the only answer is, well, there has to be another shoe dropping later. Otherwise, it doesn't really make sense because if you have it, – either it doesn't make sense because you're spending your limited dollars on something that doesn't uh, move the needle that much, or the Reds have a lot more money to spend than any of us are expecting. And this is just a drop in the bucket. They're going to be willing to still spend, uh, you know, to get whoever Glasnow, whoever uh, is still out there. So I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting uh, question that is sort of unresolved for the same reason we've been talking about that we're confused, which is that what's next. There has to be some, there has to be something next. There's, there's no way there's not something next. It's the only rational explanation at this point, because I, I agree with Dan. I mean, Jamer Candelario is a good player, but was he a dying need for this team? I didn't think so. Like when he was rumored to be attached to them this whole offseason, I was like, yeah, it'd be fine, but not someone I'm like, oh yeah, that's 
we're a Jamer Candelario away, right? Um, unless, you know, but right. Maybe he'll be good. Said, no, said no one ever. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and you mentioned, you know, I'm the same way about Pagan. Uh, do I think he's awesome? No. But is he better in a high leverage situation than the guys they were throwing out the last couple of years? Yes, Bingo. absolutely. Uh, is he better than, like, I like Ian Jabot, but I'm more like a fifth, sixth inning Ian Jabot guy than a seventh, eighth, ninth inning Ian Jabot guy. Um, where less chance of having inherited runners to take over. So Pagan's going to decrease that chance. Sure. Sign me up. Uh, still want to roll to Chapman as the lefty in the pen. Still really want that to happen. Um, I get yeah. shit for that all the time on my show, but I'm not, sta- I'm not stepping down as well. You should as well. You should. Um, yeah. Yeah. So again, it's, it's reason for excitement. It's reason to uh, be interested. Um, I want to go back just briefly to Dylan Cease. Yeah, because I want I want to ask you this this question. Um, uh, Bruce Levine, uh, whoever this guy is, but um, uh, his his uh, tweet this week, uh, he's evidently Marquee Sports Network. I don't even know what that is, but uh, he said the current asking price for uh, Dylan Cease right now is very high. Um, uh, and remember, Cease has two years of control of team control and an eight million dollar contract, which is. Uh, nothing. So the Reds were evidently asked for four top prospects, including uh, right-handed pitcher Rhett Louder, who we just talked about from Week Forest University, um, last year's number one uh, pick. Right-handed pitcher Chase Petty. Chase Petty a, uh, had a brilliant season last year, really high, really high ceiling for that guy. Also, the number nine and number eleven uh, prospects as well. And I, I don't know, he didn't say who that is, and I don't. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. MLB Potline says Carlos uh, Carlos Jorge and Sammy Stafura. See, these, these are names that are just made up. Yeah, Stafura was drafted this year. Thank you. Yeah. Doug Gray has Sal Stewart and Leo Balcazar in those spots. So I don't care. Trade the number 911 guys. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, but Louder and Petty. Uh, these are, I mean, um, these are the two big names. So so if, if we're going to send two minor prospects who I don't care about, is louder and petty too much to give up for two years of Dylan C's? It's borderline. It's close. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's borderline. But I think I would if I knew that I have Dylan C's that could help me out and maybe give me 185 innings next year on a team that a lot of people feel like has a chance to win their division. And all you need is a shot. All you need is to make it. Look at Arizona. I mean, all you need is to make it. Literally, we're with the Reds neck and neck till the second to last day of the season, and they played in the World Series. Um, and it's baseball's just weird, right? It just always shakes out. There's no, there's no need to ever bet on the playoffs because it's not going to go the way you want it to. Um, and I think you know, in this situation, you get a guy like that who, let's say, you do make it in a short series, you go Cease, Green, and Abbott. Great, I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, I feel pretty good about my chances of those three guys taking the mound in, in a playoff series, especially with having a guy like that who you know you can count on. Um, I love Chase Petty. I really do. I love Rhett Louder. I would be just fine if they didn't, right? If they just held on All to right. those guys. But if they do, to improve the big league club as it currently stands, I understand, and I'm and I'm okay with it. Yeah, I can make an argument both ways, and th- yeah. that's what's going to be—that's what's frustrating about the uh, conversation around it. Which is, uh, if you think one way, you're an idiot, according to a certain group. If you think the other way, you're an idiot, according to a, cer- a certain group. And the fact of the matter is, you can make a solid argument on both sides of it. I'm always 
always, always going to come down on the side of let's improve the big league team. Me too. Because I don't care what the Chattanooga lookouts do. Yeah. I don't care if they win a hundred games. Right. I don't, I don't care about prospects. Prospects to me are only valuable to the extent that they improve the big league roster, either by becoming a big, great big league player or by bringing a, a good big league player to the roster that can't help. And so I don't know that I'd be eager to trade louder and petty. Right. I mean, that's a, that's pretty, that's a steep, steep price. Okay. Cause I, I do think very highly of, of both those guys, but I might do it. I don't know. So I think you can make a good argument. Yeah. I'm not in love with trading them, but if it's a guy like the three guys, particularly we've talked about as top end rotation guys, I'm not necessarily hanging up the phone when the other GM brings their name up either. Yeah. I'm negotiating. Yeah. I'll try to hold on to him. I'll try like hell. You're right. Yeah. But yeah. But if it's all or nothing, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't hang up the phone if that's the ask. You say, all right, well, well, let's explore this. I mean, I don't, it's, it's not so unreasonable that you hang up the phone, I guess, and laugh at him. Um, so I don't know. We'll see again. And something else, something else has to happen. Something else almost happened this week. Uh, oh my God. Tim, the Reds and Diamondbacks were finalists. For free agent left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez. Can you believe that? They were finalists. Did you see this reporting that was uh, going on out there? This old week? Kenny. Old Kenny Rosenthal putting <laughs> this out there. And then going, no, they're not. Oops. Uh, no. Uh, bad reporting. Uh, that stuff cracks me up. It's usually Bob Nightingale that miss, messes all that up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our local guy uh, uh, may have had a. They have had a hand in that, and it, you make mistakes. It happens, but uh, this, this comes out, and then and then he signs with the Diamondbacks, and then the Reds are not even evidently in the conversation. Really bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. Um, I think that also this week, did, and I may have read this wrong. Did did the Reds trade for Juan Soto? Uh, no, they were in for him. They were one. Of the, they were one of the finalists. They were close, just like with Sonny Gray. They were close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. Okay. They were. By close, they called, and then they said, hi, sure, no. Okay, have a good day. Well, they need a right-handed hitting outfielder, and the Reds uh, Reds didn't want to trade, you know, um, Edwin Arroyo for, for yeah. Juan Soto. Or, or Mike Trout, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, would you, If you were the Reds, would you trade for Mike Trout? Yeah, hell yeah. No, I wouldn't. Really? You? What? No, you might have to give up some uh, some uh, prospects for him, and oh, I don't oh. know. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure. I'm okay with that. Yeah, you can tell me all you want about like, well, he's missed this many games. He's missed so many. Games. I don't care. When he's on the field, he has 40 home runs. And oh my goodness, I wish he still stole bases. That's my one flaw about him. But other than that, can you imagine if the Reds were to pull something off like that? Uh, it would it would be earth shaking. I mean, I would I I would die. I would just I would collapse. I'd, it'd be, be a It'd be February two thousand all over again, Chad. <laughs> well, I started. I started to to say that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, well, it's it's similar. It's a inner circle Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know? and then he would proceed to come to Cincinnati and spend a lot of time playing well, but also on the injured list. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're Mister Red's Hall of Fame historian. You care about this very much, which I appreciate that you do. Thank you. Do you do you think it's weird when people say that Griffey should not be in there? I think he. Should, I mean. That's ridiculous, right? In the Reds Hall of Fame? Yeah. It's completely absurd. It's yeah. completely ludicrous. Ron Oster is in the Reds Hall of right. Fame. Right. And Ron Oster was a perfectly, you know, uh, cromulent guy, local kid who played his whole career in Cincinnati. Whatever. I'm okay with putting him in. But, yeah, it's silly to think King Griffey Jr. 
uh, should not be in the Reds Hall of Fame. And listen, you're right. This is something I will. I I, I care about that Reds Hall of Fame way more. I do too. I it's I really too. embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I think we may be the only two. I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, I wrote this week. I've been promising it for a while about uh, the biggest at at uh, my Substack, my newsletter. Uh, it's free. ChadDotson.com. Go subscribe, please. You get an article from but, me this week too. Oh, coming up by uh, you. By the time you, uh, by the time you're, this is in your ears or on in your eyes. Watch on YouTube. Yeah, Tim's latest at the Riverfront uh, newsletter should be live, and it's an excellent one. It's a it's a touching one. It's a heartwarming one. Um, bring a tear to your eye, but you're gonna you, you, many of you are gonna appreciate it and feel feel. Uh, I, I won't tease much more than that. And you can if you want, but. Um, Many of you are going to see some of yourselves in this piece because I certainly did. Thanks. But um, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. I can't wait to, for everyone to see it. So it'd be, if you're a subscriber, it'll be in your inboxes tomorrow. Um, well, today, as you're listening to this. But uh, the Reds Hall of Fame, it's just uh, there are some players that have been snubbed and I can't figure out why. And obviously I talk about Reggie Sanders all the time, but yeah, you know, p- people don't remember how good John Franco was. John Franco was great for the Reds. Three all-star teams. You make three all-star teams for the Reds, you should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. The, the team's Hall of Fame. It's, it's just, it seems obvious to me. But so anyway, go read it if you want or, or don't. I, I don't care. Whatever. I'm not going to lose any sleep. Um, all right. What else has happened this week? Uh, Eric Gonzalez, Mark Mathias signed a minor league contracts and invited to spring training as non-roster players. 32-year-old infielder. 29-year-old infielder. Yay! Feels like the old uh, days of, like, Wilson Valdez and Edgar Renteria and... Oh, my goodness. Uh, who's the other one? Cabrera. Oh, gosh. Don't... Uh, I don't even start talking about um, some of the some of the names through the years that... Uh, it's, it's such a cliche, and we laugh about it every year, how many players the Reds signed to minor league deals with invitations to spring training. Yeah. But this is the year where those guys aren't actually competing for spots in spring training. Finally. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, it, that's what's different it, about it. It has worked out in the past. Brandon Drury for that half a year with the Reds was pretty awesome. True, true, true. And uh, But I'm sick of just we're taking flyers on everybody. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it looks like, for at least temporarily, we're past the point of let's take a flyer on every 15th yeah. guy that you, you can find. and Maybe somebody will work out. Um, well, you know, the last thing I want to mention is I think this is a pretty good story. And then we, we spend some time cracking on the reds for, for good reason. You know, they, the ownership and management are largely incompetent much of the time, but well, let me, let me put it in this perspective. You know, I wrote this, uh, the most, uh, red piece, uh, most red column that I've ever written for Cincinnati magazine was a, a, a column about how, Bob Castellini, it went through all the promises that he made when he and his ownership group took over. Nice. And yeah. And then went through them one by one to show how they have failed, utterly failed on all but one of those promises. And uh, one of those promises was about off field stuff. And I went out of my way to praise the Reds Community Fund and the great work that they do in the local area and just uh, all the charitable things they do. Well, the Reds, uh, Community Fund, the Reds were uh, recognized this week as the winner of the uh, 2023 Bud Selig Award, which, first of all, the Bud oh, Selig God. Award, r- really? The Bud Selig Award for uh, Philanthropic Excellence uh, by Major League Baseball. So 
Um, it was actually the Reds Community Fund's Reds Community Makeover Program. They've invested more than $11 million uh, in cash or in-kind support to uh, urban and uh, suburban communities in the greater Cincinnati area since 2010. It's really just, it's something that I really admire about the Reds. We did our dumb thing with the uh, with the billboard and we ended up raising more money than we needed to to put that thing up. And so we the entire balance of it, we gave it to the Reds Community Fund because I knew that's a place that's really going to spend those dollars well. I had no, I, I just, I think it's a, and I've made personal donations to the Res Community Fund because I just think it's a, uh, it's a really worthy, uh, it's a really good organization that does good work with, with their dollars. So, you know, if we're going to criticize the Reds often, then we should point out this is something they do really well. And uh, it makes me sort of proud. Uh, this plus the Hall of Fame are two things they do really well. Uh, and so I don't know, I wanted to, wanted to give some kudos. Yeah, I have absolutely, man. It's really cool they do that. I know um, I don't live too far away from Francisco Cordero Field, which is looks like a very small minor league stadium. It's freaking so well done. Um, I really, I really enjoy it. I actually played not like to so where Francisco Cordero Field. It's like very nice, beautiful. You know, grass is cut, field looks amazing, and they have the public field literally in the same facility right next to it. And it's like you can't see where the base paths are. But oh my, really. I, uh, I, I've played there. I've played over there before. It's, it's pretty, it's really, really cool. Um, I love when they do that stuff. And I think that, uh, you see it all the time. You especially see it at Reds Fest with like some of the stuff they get honored for and some of the stuff they do around yeah. there. So you definitely really appreciate it. Absolutely. Francisco Coco Cordero. Can I, can I ask you a question since we're just talking about the Reds Hall of Fame? Sure. It, Francisco Cordero was one of the finalists on the modern player ballot, uh, the last time they they had that, the modern player ballot, uh, Bronson Arroyo was elected off that last time. Um, is Francisco Coco Cordero a Reds Hall of Famer? You know, as I brought his name up, I was thinking about it, and I think I lean yes. I really do. Um, closer on two on a playoff team. What had had some All Star appearances. I know a lot of people seem to just point out his blown saves more than his actual saves, but he was pretty darn good in the stretches here. He frustrated us a lot, you know, as a red. He was only a red for for four years. He did make one all-star team with Cincinnati, three overall, uh, one with Cincinnati. But um, would it surprise you to learn? It surprised me as I started looking at it. He is second in reds history in saves. No, it doesn't really shock me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a... He had a uh, well. I tried to shock you, and it didn't work. Um, yeah, in his time in Cincinnati, he had 34, 39, 40, and thirty-seven saves. And yes, he had some memorable blown saves. He used to he used to scare us a little bit. He was no David Weathers, but he used to scare us a little bit. But second all time in saves, uh, trivia time. Tim Daniel, Ooh. who's number one all time in red saves? Do you, can you, do you know that? Danny Graves, right? Danny Graves elected to the Hall of Fame last time off the Veterans Committee. Danny Graves, very good. You win trivia time for this week. But can you tell me who's number three on the list? Someone that's already been mentioned in this episode. Is it Franco? John Franco. Okay. Number three all-time Red Saves. It's ridiculous he's not in the Reds Hall of Fame. So, so. Roldis is what? Top five? Is he top, is he seven, like top ten? You know, I don't I, See, now you're trivia time in me, and I didn't look that far down the list. <laughs> I was, I was, well, yeah. thinking in my head too. Is like the 2010 teams, just that 2010 through 2013. Yeah. Team, how many of those guys are Reds Hall of Famers? You know, Brandon Phillips, obviously, Joey, obviously. Um, Cueto, yes. Cueto, without question. Arroyo's already in. Bruce. DC. Jay Bruce is. Did you say Brandon Phillips? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, J- uh, Jay Bruce, Lance Nix, um, Lance. Oh, clearly Ryan Ludwig. What about yeah. Ryan Ludwig? Yeah, Dwayne uh, Wise. Oh, Matt Latos. Dwayne Wise. Oh man, you 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 pulled a Dwayne Wise reference out here. That's a. That's I only a do deep that cut. because he uh, when Carlos was in Double A for that really really good Chattanooga team that I always talk about. Dwayne Wise was with them for like a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a there's a Carlos Guevara element to this uh this equation here. I like it. Carlos, yeah. who declined to join us tonight. Thanks for nothing, pal. <laughs> um and, and what I'm doing now is I'm I'm talking, I'm uh I'm vamping because I'm pulling up the uh, Reds all time saves list, hoping that I can come on. What are we doing here? It's the got the circle of death here, it won't tell me. Uh great. I probably ran no longer anyway. Uh, here we go. All right. Danny Graves, number one in Reds all-time saves, 182. Number two, Coco Cordero, 150. John Franco, 148. Number four, Araldis Chapman, 146 saves. So you're right. He was uh, fourth on the list. Number five, the Hawk, Clay Carroll. Oh, nice. Red from 1968 to 1975. Rosella Iglesias, sixth. The Cowboy, Jeff Brantley, seventh. Number eight, uh, Rob Dibble. Number nine, Tom Hume. And then number 10, number 10, I'm looking here, um, had the most appearances of any pitcher in this top 10. And he snuck into the 10th on the all-time red save list with 76. Pedro Bourbon. Oh, nice. So I saw him talk about somewhere recently on MLB Network. I can't remember. I think it might have been Rob Washington brought him up. I think we've exhausted everything to talk about. We're talking about the Reds. We're looking down the Reds. I was going to say, do we talk about our, our pal, Nick Senzel going to Washington? You know, let's, let's do. Um, I think we both wish a, uh, wish nothing but good luck and best wishes to Nick Senzel. Who's uh, going to be the, with the Washington nationals and a very reasonable contract. The Reds could have used a backup infielder with that profile and uh, utility outfielder as well. But uh, yeah. What do you think? You got some comments and thoughts about Nick Senzel? Um, it's going to be really funny when he hits like 270 for the next year, right? And he has like 18 homers and he's like really, really good. <laughs> That's what's gonna I mean, happen. I hope so. I hope it happens for his sake. I hope he stays healthy. Um, probably a good situation for him. Yeah. There's going to be some playing time. So yeah, it's like that year, uh, it's like the year Drew went to Colorado and just was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Drew, you're talking about uh, JD Drew. Yeah. Yeah. No, JD Drew Stubbs. <laughs> um yeah yeah so I, we wish him the best of luck i wish i wish he were still a red but i understand it might yeah, it was same. a change of scenery time and so hopefully it works out for everyone all right uh you know anything else that's going on here this week that i forgot to mention that we need to discuss um not necessarily show why not necessarily reds wise Got a lot of fun stuff network-wise uh going well, that's on. the next thing i was gonna ask you so let's do it what's happening around the riverfront network yeah so with Chad's kind of uh, extra responsibilities coming on, they've looked to me to kind of try to fill his shoes a little bit. I never could, but I did my best. Um, and you're the best. You're the best. So yeah, like I mentioned, so if you're checking out RiverfrontCincy.com, you're getting a ton of college coverage right now for Xavier, my myself doing Xavier, uh, Cincinnati being covered at the University of Cincinnati with Ryan Roberts, um, FC Cincinnati. My good pal Neil Meyer has been doing a great job with that. Uh, Jack Meyer, who we just brought on the team to cover Miami of Ohio sports has been knocking out of the park and Sean Mackey, who has been on NBA Friday with me every week is just our 
as Nate, as your brother Nate calls it, uh, feeding my addiction of talking NBA basketball podcast. So you are addicted. You are I, addicted. I appreciate you guys. Let me do that. Uh, so you can check those out all over there. And then uh, late night Reds. We only have two episodes left for this year because Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are on Sunday nights. So mm-hmm. December 17th, be there live for the Riverfront Christmas song fantasy draft. Love it. Yeah. I love it. You can only get songs can only be taken once and artists can only pick taken once. So it's one of mm. we're gonna be battling for Burl Ives in this guy's so, stuff. So we're gonna see who's gonna be walking away <laughs> with some Burl Ives action. Oh, some hot Burl Ives action on late night reds. Yeah. How exciting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. And of course, the Bengals show. The Bengals are still in the mix. Jake Joe Farsker, buddy. Yeah, the, Jake Browning is all of a sudden a superstar. The the Bengals are ready to move on from the Joe Burrow area era now. Yeah, it was a good um, run. It was a good run, but you know he can't stay healthy. So I mean, he's the Eric Davis of this generation. So it's time to move on. No, but the Bengals are somehow inexplicably still in the mix. That game in the uh, playoff race. It was uh, it was it was one of the most fun evenings of uh, American football that I've had in a long time watching that and so, i agree yeah yeah um if you're watching on youtube you could see here that i have a uh, a baseball card that i'm showing uh tim tim do you have this card i have a co- i have his other rookies but i don't have that one carlos guevara won't join me so i had to show his card on screen here um i also got a card on my refrigerator featuring oh. one tim daniel and family oh so, yeah you. yours came in yeah, thank you for that, buddy. Of course. Um, all right. Well, Tim, thanks for everything you're doing at the Riverfront. I'm telling you, man, this is it, the last few months here. It's amazing the amount of content that uh, that you're really helping to uh, coordinate much of it. But the, we, the, we've exploded what's happening at Riverfront. It's exciting. We're covering just it's about exciting. everything going on in Cincinnati sports. Um, and you are covering the NBA. Not talking nearly enough about the Philadelphia 70s. Oh, you know I love the Sixers, though. You know I love them. <laughs> I know, not as much as me, but that's all right. All right, well, this has been The Riverfront. Thanks for listening. We are uh, coming to you every single week right here uh, from The Riverfront World Headquarters in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, thanks to, for listening and supporting. Tell your friends. That's the way to grow a show uh, is to tell your friends about it. Um, that's the best way to grow the show. So if, as I would say, if you like us, talk about us. And if you don't like us, just you know, keep your trap shut. Please subscribe to the show either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Riverfront Cincy on all those platforms. That's at Riverfront Cincy. And then finally, a huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Best group anywhere. Incredible discussions in our Slack channel. This show would literally, yeah, that's just every day. It's crazy. Um, Most centered around insane things being said by Joe Farsing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this show would not be possible without the support of our, uh, our Patreon family. So come join us in our hijinks. Tim, thank you, my friend. It's always good talking always. to you. Thanks, Chad. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto and Wayne Krenchik and Eli Cash for Tim Daniel and Elmer Descends. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. 